0: Well, Lord, I just thank you for this day. Um, thank you for what you're doing in our lives, and our church, and this family. I just pray for all the people, Lord, that are sick. I just pray healing on people's families. Those that are here today that got sick ones at home or in people that are here today that aren't feeling well or whatever is going on, Lord, those that are just at home and watching we'll watch later in the week. I just pray protection on our flock from the many illnesses that are out there and just even the many things that the enemy is just trying to do, period. I just Pray a blessing on people today, and we just thank you. We thank you for how good you are and how much you love us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, so in 1943, a dude named Philip Van Doren Stern, it's a mouthful, wrote a short story called The Greatest Gift, He tried to get it published but he didn't have any luck with it. So he printed 200 copies himself of this short story that he wrote and he gave it to friends and family members um, for his Christmas present. Stern's short story was um, actually published a year earlier but not as a book and it was released in Good Housekeeping magazine with the title, The Man Who Was Never Born. And one of these little booklets that he made based upon what he gave to friends, he gave it to the right friend, and this good housekeeping thing actually made its way to Hollywood. And a dude named Frank Capra got a hold of it, and he changed the title in the movie to uh, what was a flop, an epic flop called now It's a Wonderful Life. And It's a Wonderful Life, this guy flopped by getting it to friends, Good housekeeping, it kind of arrived there. And then on the screen, it wasn't till the 25 year basic um, movie rights were up that it was allowed to be played at uh, Christmas time. One of the major networks took a risk on it and played it like on Christmas Eve at a very low time when people were watching and it's become a Christmas classic ever since. And it's, it's one we all know, it's about a guy named George Bailey. Who in here has seen It's a Wonderful Life? Who's at least heard of it, if you've never seen it? All right, well, you've heard of it now. So if you've never seen it, I really... ...loses the $8,000, and George Bailey, his world's falling down. It's Christmas Eve day. It's all over for him. His inimical foe, Mr. Potter, is going to throw him in jail and have him arrested when Potter's the one with the money in his hand. And Bailey is stuck with the staunch realization that um, I have given up so much and received back so little. In his desperation, he even goes to his arch enemy, Mr. Potter, for a loan on his life insurance. And Potter gleefully observes, George, you're worth more dead than alive. And so Bailey decides the only solution to his issue is to commit suicide. And he's gonna throw himself off a bridge in the frigid, frigid waters during a snowstorm. But to the rescue comes Clarence, the um, theologically inaccurate guardian angel. And Clarence knows that George Bailey's this guy who keeps doing for everybody, everybody, everybody. And Clarence jumps off the bridge before George can, and George is gonna rescue him. And here's where we pick up in the movie them talking about what Clarence did for George. More volume. So the angel's uh, solution to grant George Bailey the, uh, his wish is to show him what his life would have been like if he was never born. If you've seen it, you know the rest of the story. If you haven't seen it, that's your homework this week. Go home and watch this movie for Christmas. It'll get you a good cup of cheer. And it's got a really great message to it, but like I was thinking about as we were coming up with our uh, what we're gonna talk about um, over this Christmas season, we started thinking about what if What if Jesus didn't come? What if Jesus, like George Bailey, had never come? What would our world be like if Jesus wasn't born? I mean, 2,000 years later, he's still the most talked about guy in history. How did this little peasant guy from a tiny podunk town in the middle of nowhere, how did his life impact The world did, did Jesus even know when he came the ripple effect that his life would have? Did he even know it? I mean, he chose to be limited as we are. Did he even know the effect his life would have? And George Bailey in reverse got to see, he didn't see all the impact his life was having. So Clarence shows him a Bedford fall devoid of George Bailey. What would our world be like devoid of Jesus? I mean, if you think about our calendars are framed around this guy named Jesus, but not everyone likes him. In fact, lots of the world is diametrically opposed to Jesus. There are people all over the world right now as we speak that are being exterminated, imprisoned, persecuted, pursued because they love Jesus. If you go into a lot of the Horn of Africa or in the Middle East or into the Far East, China, North Korea, a lot of these places, Vietnam, Cambodia, you go into these places and a lot of these places um, not only would like the world if Jesus never came, they want to get Jesus out of the world that he came to. There's a guy named Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche is, was um, a German atheist philosopher and writer, and he coined the phrase, God is dead, God remains dead, and we have killed him. So if you ever heard God is dead, that, that talk that comes from this guy. And Friedrich, Friedrich Nietzsche was really a hero of Hitler, of Stalin, of Lenin of uh, just these uh, remarkable human beings. So if you tell, if you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, like the pantheon of suck, like this guy influenced them. But he, he wrote, um, God is dead and he likened Christianity to a poison that had infected the world. He also noted that um, history because Jesus' birth was now a battle between Rome and Israel. That the basic Judeo-Christian worldview It was us against everyone else. And he bemoaned the fact that he saw Christianity was winning. He wrote, I condemn Christianity. I bring against the Christian church, the most terrible of all accusations that an accuser has ever had in its mouth. It is to me the greatest of all imaginable corruptions. It seeks to work the ultimate corruption Nothing is untouched by its depravity. It has turned every value into worthlessness and every truth into a lie and every integrity into the baseness to the baseness of a soul. To him, there would be a hero coming. There'd be heroes coming. He said, a herd of blonde beasts will prey upon these people, a race of conquerors and masters that will rise up and annihilate the church in all it stood for. He said, had Jesus never come, the feminine of society would never be venerated. Purity would have never mattered and the poor would have been kept in their pathetic places of subjugation in the Darwinian order. I think if Jesus had never come, this guy would be speaking probably the greatest axiom of truth the world has ever heard. He would be speaking truth that the the women in our world would be completely, completely subjugated to sex slaves and to cooks and to baby bears. That the poor wouldn't matter. Then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. If he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He said, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost forever. He said, if we only for this life have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied above all people. Paul's saying in a sense, like this guy Nietzsche's right. If really, if Jesus didn't come and we're just living for us, he's like, this is the most uh, contrawise Darwinian proposition that there is. Why would you live selfless? Why would you live for a hope beyond this earth? Why would you be pure? Why would you try to do the right thing? Why would you care about other people? If it really is a dog eat dog world and, and Jesus didn't raise, if there's nothing to this, we're suckers, We're suckers, because everyone else is saying, get all you can, this is all there is. If Jesus didn't come, that's all we're left with. And it does stink for those who are maybe short, or weak, or diseased, or the wrong gender, or the wrong color, or the... Maybe they've got a crossed eye. Maybe they've got a lame foot. Maybe they're not the brightest. If, if this is just a Darwinian dream, it's bad news for most people that have ever been alive because don't all of us walk with a limp on some level? Even the grandest, tallest, strongest, brightest generally can't get out of their own way of pride or vice or a family they didn't pick. And I contend that if Jesus had never been born, that this world would be in ruins. And if we look around the forces of darkness, evil, oppression, perversion, deceit, power, and greed, and if there wasn't light, how bad would this world be? How bad would your life be? Or maybe you don't know him yet. Maybe you're here because you're like, yeah, this world's jacked up or my life is messed up. If Jesus had never been born, what would we miss out on? The uh, famous French emperor Napoleon once wrote. He said, I have searched in vain in a history to find a figure that's similar to Jesus Christ or anything that can approach the gospel. Nations pass away, thrones crumble, but yet his church remains. Revelation 21.5 says this. Behold, I make all things new. Since Jesus was born, we get to be born again. Since Jesus was born, this world, which is steeped in darkness, marred in sin, scourged with disease and filth, can be a different place. And what it says there in Revelation 21 5, where he says, where he says Behold, it's the Greek word the The Greek word "edu," which means "note well," or "look closely," examine carefully. When Jesus says, "Look well, note, examine carefully," that I make all things new. When people look at our lives, does it look like He came? When people examine closely, when they know well what the church is doing and you're the church, I'm the church, we're the church, when people look at us, do they see it looking new? Do they see that, dude, you used to be a gambler, you used to be a hooker, used to be a beggar, used to be a brawler, used to be just stuck looking at yourself, used to be a complainer, a liar, a drunk, a thief, you used to be from the worst family, but somehow now you don 't look the same. Do they see all things new? if jesus hadn 't come there 'd be no newness in this world. The weary world rejoices, and I contend church that if Jesus came, the world should know that he did. And we have seen that everything Jesus and his faithful believers touched is made new. The word new is kainos, which is very similar to kairos, where like a new thought is a kairos, a new or a kairos or a new perspective, and a kanos is just a new perspective thing. It's interesting that when God intercepts our lives, that we get a new way of thinking. When Jesus intercepts our faculties, we get a new way of doing. And what, what would happen if he didn't? And as we're talking about this Christmas season, and we've wrapped up a really an interesting year, So last year, I was kind of praying, and I had a couple different people just reach out to me, call me, and even in personal prayer, kept getting like a repetitive, that this was, that there was two words for this church. One was, it was gonna be a year of sifting and shifting, and I'm like, that kind of sucks. And then two, that there were clogs in the drain that God needed to move out so he could move in. And so we've talked a lot this year about a lot of heavy, hard things because we believe Jesus came. And if Jesus came, it cannot be business as usual ever. The only as usual ever is he makes all things new and that he's constantly changing, healing, separating, gentrifying, purifying his people and his church for the purpose of his return. And he delays his return because he wants the entire world to be filled with his glory. That's why he was born, yeah. So if you're wondering, when you're stuck in a rut, or maybe those people who are living in a Hitler-filled world, or people who have been filled in, in like you know African villages where like these um, terrible regimes come and they just exterminate people, take women and children as their property, they're maybe wondering, like, how can this happen? And we're waiting for something new. The weary world rejoices at the hope of when the gospel comes in, it's incredible how it changes people. What does Jesus' life, the fact that he was born, do for you? What does the fact that he came tangibly do for you? And if you can't say that, homework this week after you watch It's a Wonderful Life is examine, does your life look any different as a result that Jesus came. Your business shouldn't be a little better. You shouldn't be a little nicer. You shouldn't just be a little calmer or a little more happy or come to church. If Jesus came and he makes all things new, all things new, does your life look new? Does my life look new? And I think there's a lot of times in my life where it doesn't look new. There's a lot of times where I can be a stingy brat, or a selfish jerk, or whiny, or I can be critical of people. And it's like, it's like yesterday we were helping my wife's dad move, and I just felt grumpy yesterday. I was tired. It's been a long week, and I just felt like some frustration. And I just paused because I was being, I was already kind of feeling I was being a, a brat, and I said something kind of zippy to Carla. And she's just like, kind of like, just stop talking. And I just paused and the Lord said, you can either pour gas on this. (laughs) Thanks, Ray. (laughs) The unmistakable belly laugh of one of my BFFs, Big Ray. Um, But Jesus said, you can do one of things, one of two things. You can either pour gas on this or you can pour water on it. And he said, and this isn't a fire you wanna pour gas on. And it was just interesting that just that little pause. And listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like saying hey, because a lot of times I tell a lot of bad stories about myself, okay? But it was actually one of the ones where the blind squirrel found a nut, and I just, I just stopped, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to pour gas on this today. I don't want to be in my flesh. I don't want to make it miserable. I don't want to make it harder than it's going to be, and I want to be a blessing. Because Jesus was born, and. I don't get to act however I want and live however I want. Because if that is factual, he was born as a king. Like this dude was so much of a king that Herod went to destroy him because Herod was the king and he didn't want to share that throne with anyone else. So when Jesus comes into my life, I can do one of two things. I either join Herod in his quest to exterminate his kingship or I join Joseph and Mary and do everything I can to promote his coming kingship. And I I wanna say that if Jesus didn't come, if he wasn't born, we wouldn't know what God's like. We would not know what God's like. Because from the beginning, we've been hungry to know who God is. Like every culture, every people has its powers and its thrones. And even the most atheistic societies even the most staunch atheists are still in the pursuit of worship. They usually demand that you worship them. They've set themselves up as gods. Uh, Like I remember years ago, I worked with this guy, who was uh, working as a pizza delivery driver back in late high school and college, a wonderful pizza place on the east side of Cincinnati, Mio's, anyone ever had Mio's? Best stuff pie in town. And And I remember there was this guy that I worked with and he loved to mock me. He hated Jesus so much. And he was so smart and so sure. He was a philosophy major kind of guy. And he just was mocking. He prayed in there one day that the History Channel had announced and basically the world was abandoning Jesus on the calendar. And he's like, it's over. The calendar is set. It's no more uh, BC or AD He's like, it's now CE, common era, or BCE, before the common era. And he's like, what do you do with that? And I was like, let me ask you a question. When does that calendar, what year is BCE before? Zero. And I'm like, what year is CE after? Zero. I'm like, dude, you are just rearranging the ships, like like the chairs on your ship. I was like, you're still starting with Jesus. The launch of the common era is still Jesus Christ, Holmes. Yeah, it's like, he's just sitting there chopping off the branch he's sitting on. I'm like talking to him. I'm like, hey, here's the saw. Oh, this is a great idea, George. Which way did it go? My favorite color is clear. You know, I'll call you George because I can't say Sylvester, okay, George? Like, you know, like that cat. And I'm like, dude. And he's just like, Here's the rope. And it's like the common era is still Jesus. So even like the atheists that have tried to get rid of God are still demanding that they're venerated to Godhood. The fact is, human beings were made to worship. We were made to be subjugated. We were made to be led. We are. We're, We're likened to lambs. Lambs are the dumbest animals. They poop a lot, they eat a lot, and they bite. And they make babies. Does that sound like any other breed of creature you know? Some of us more than others, right? Um, But if Jesus hadn't come, um, we wouldn't know what God's like. And God, unlike these other demanders of worship, he's not a king like that. He, He didn't demand that we worship him. He's not gonna force us. He's not gonna bend us. He's not gonna maim us to do it. We get to pick with him. We wouldn't understand how he could identify with us and how we could relate to him if Jesus hadn't came. If Jesus wasn't born, John 14, nine says, I and the father are one. We wouldn't be able to relate to God if Jesus wasn't born. If Jesus wasn't born, we would have no personal victory you look at a world where it's just a few of like the like a few of the elite if jesus if the church wasn't here darwin would look like the prophet of the age and a lot of people have already bought into that i get so chafed when i watch these history shows or watch stuff on planet earth it's like oh 50 billion years ago or 90 million years ago and all these like expansive times just like evolution's fact and listen, I'm not, I don't know if the world's 6,000 years old or 100,000 years old. I don't think it's billions of years old. And I, I would tell you it's very inconsistent to firmly believe in evolution and to be a Christian. Here's why, because Christ, evolution's not necessarily as much bad science as it is bad philosophy. Because we came from nothing, it unGod's gods God. If we have no purpose, if this world is just random order, that's very inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus. So I'm not gonna get into young earth, new earth. I'm not gonna get into that. But if you believe we just came from a primordial soup and you're born again, that's very inconsistent with the doctrines of the Bible. We have a God. We have three things the Bible talks about ad nauseum. It's creation, it's covenant, it's kingdom. We, we start with a very perfect creation. We have a very marred world early on in the creation story. And we see a God who makes and writes and creates covenants with his people to usher in a kingdom because he wants us to understand the victory and the purpose and the newness of the original design. So when Jesus makes all things new, starting with our lives, he's gonna recreate the earth at the end of the age and we're gonna know what it was meant to be. And so that's, that's for someone. That's for someone. And I'm not saying that there's no microevolution. I'm not saying that there's no science beyond the shifting of tecton- tectonic plates. I'm not saying that we don't see shifts in the atmosphere. I'm not going there. I'm just saying, but if you firmly believe evolution is right, it is very inconsistent with the Bible. Did God put some evolution in the order for us to adapt, for us to change? Yeah. But polar bears probably didn't start off in Kenya and just evolve into white creatures once they got there. No, creatures look the way they do because God made them for those environs. Do we have some adaptive features? I don't know, but you can't see it. That's why they keep pushing this garbage back millions and billions and now even trillions of years because on the scales they're talking about that they're just throwing out there like it's doctrine, there's no discernible way to ever get there unless it's time so far none of us can ever even comprehend it. And so, but the victory of Jesus that he came were not just a dog-eat-dog evolutionary survival of the fittest world. And I would tell you the message of Christianity flies in the face of a bad doctrine. Because if you look at the heroes of Nazism, of Stalinism, of communism, of all these things are Marx, they're Nietzsche, and they're Darwin. And so if you think that any of those ideologies would be good, look at where they touch the world and how dark it gets. And look at the difference of where Jesus touches the world and how light it gets. Don't just talk about the fruit, look at the root. These things held to be doctrinal rightness in themselves, and if you contain them in those, they are always a godless, nasty, broken, survival of the fittest world. And so I'm not gonna go overboard on that, but the church goes underboard because we're so afraid. Well, what if science proves us wrong? Dude, we, we can talk another day about that, but you know what science does? It proves God right. When you get outside of theories and you get into thermodynamics, quantum mechanics, let's talk about real science that's quantifiable, uh, repeatable, discernible, that's governed in law, not like what the latest Harvard professor is writing about. You wanna talk about real stuff like that, that's science. I'm not saying there's not chemistry or biology or things. We're finding out all the time, but if you just look at the basis of law versus theory, Look at, the, look at the root, not at the fruit. And if we, if Jesus didn't create this world, if he didn't come to redeem this world, we would have zero personal victory. And if he didn't come, if Jesus wasn't born, there would be no universal victory in the end. This world wouldn't be set straight. The forces of darkness would never be choked out. And evil would just be proliferated and promulgated end upon end in a hopeless blight for everyone else who's not strong enough to fight back. It says in Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus was born. And since he was, he's going to do what he said he would do. And when Jesus was born, he changed everything. Jesus changed everything. And I think that um, if we, sometimes it's easier to look at, like, and I encourage you this week to really do an inventory. What would your life be like if the gospel had never touched it? Or maybe what is your life because the gospel hasn't touched it? I mean, Christianity's roots are small and humble. An itinerant rabbi from an Appalachian equivalent who preached and did miracles for three and a half years in a slave nation just 30% bigger than the state of New Jersey. As a result of that guy's life of being born, there's approximately 2.5 billion Christians in the world with a population of 7.9 billion people. Emperors, kings, despots, terrorists, NWOs, the media, etc., have all tried to abolish and eradicate and unexplain this, but yet Christianity continues to grow. It's because even though we've been marred by sin, there's something in us that still says we have a higher purpose, we have a higher calling. There's more than what we can see. What's that more that Jesus is inviting you to? What's that more he's calling you to? What's that more? Maybe you're really stuck. You're like, I love Jesus, but I can't quit doing this thing. I love Jesus, but I can't control my mouth or I can't control my libido or I can't control how I wanna medicate. I can't control drinking. I can't control what I eat. I can't control the pity parties. I can't control the emotions. Where does Jesus, since he came, what is he not touching in your life that he wants to make new? Because he has better for us than just the be stuck in the stranglehold of self and of this world. And I would say this to end. If Jesus had never come, um, I think the world actually may have ended a long time ago in the black plagues. The church was the one who fought against that and took care of the sick in the black plagues. If Jesus hadn't come, there there wouldn't be hospitals. Hospitals were actually set up in the plagues. And actually there was times when we know on occasions when plagues were stopped because those people, instead of running out to hiding, ran into the fire to take care of the sick and they prayed and they fasted and people got healed. It wasn't just medicine, but they created hospitals because they're like, we're not running away from the force of darkness. We're gonna run into it. And God met them as they ran in in supernatural and impractical ways. Universities were began by Christians for the purposes of uh, proliferating and educating people who were stuck in the dark all these ages ago for a better world because Christianity says that an educated world is a better world. Literacy was actually, the Jews were the first really literate people in the world where they taught their boys and girls how to read and write. Literacy, and it was proliferated again by the monks after the church kind of got a hold of it and turned the Bible into Latin. So later on, monks and priests and nuns who really got a hold of this and realized the Bible was for everybody got people literate again. Free enterprise, free markets, total idea of the Bible. Uh, Representation of governments, total idea of the Bible. Civil, civil. Civil liberties, Martin Luther King, William Wilberforce, Abraham Lincoln were all godly men. Jesus was the first one to speak out on behalf of the rights of women and the affected, the afflicted, and the convalescent. Modern science, guys like Pascal and Newton. Discovery of new worlds, the elevation of women. Most modern Western charities, the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, the Good Samaritan ethic, are started by the church, Do you know that of all people, of all giving in the world, Christians only happen to be less than a third of the world, but about 90% of the world's giving comes from one third of people? Do you think the world would notice if Christians went away? Orphanages, foster care system, benevolence, care of the mentally and physically handicapped. Those people were left to die. Do you know in early Rome, do you know other societies, even in China and in Norway, as late as the 18 and early 1900s, if you were a baby born with a deformity, they'd just take you outside literally for wolves to eat you or for you to freeze and die. And the Christians who went as missionaries in those places go and scoop up those babies and care for them. If Jesus hadn't come, we wouldn't have people that do those kind of things. Uh, right to life. Abortion is not just something that's endemic to 20th and 21st century America. The codifying of many of the world's languages to translate the Bible. Christianity. High standards of law and justice even in NATO thanks to Christianity and Judaism. The world's greatest compositions of art, music, design, architecture. And lastly, the eternal salvation of endless souls in history. If Jesus wasn't born, we wouldn't have that. So how does the fact that Jesus was born change your life? or maybe where you're stuck in a rut and not seeing the power of why he came. Maybe you're like, I'm like George Bailey. My life has no purpose. It'd be better off if I died or if I never came. And if Jesus is in you, that's the most um, wrong line of thinking that uh, you could ever believe. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus and you feel that. Well, I'll tell you, your life has purpose. It's in Jesus So I just want to take some time today, we're going to pray. If prayer teams want to come up, maybe, where do you need the touch of Jesus? Like maybe you're just stuck. Maybe you're starting to wonder, man, is all this Christianity even real? All this stuff, all this stuff out there about the LGBTQ, about science, about all the racism, about the CRT, about all these various things or that the one world order, like is Islam, is Hinduism, is Buddhism, isn't all just the same thing as Christianity in a different name? Maybe you're stuck and you're believing some stuff that I would say is contrary to the word. You need prayer today. If you don't know Jesus, here, let's spread out all across here. Here we go, thanks. Where do you need prayer today? Where are you apathetic in your faith? Where are you waning? Where are you having a hard time hanging on? Maybe you're like, I've been faithful for years and I'm just having a hard time. Where do you need salvation today? So we're just gonna pray and you can be dismissed but we're just going to ask Jesus to come if you're just sitting there just put your hands out and just we're going to wait a minute and say god do i am i missing it somewhere or maybe we're even missing the importance of living it out loudly that jesus was born and jesus did come father help us to live like you came Live like you came. That you weren't just born little baby in a manger for good Christmas stories or nice cards or fun songs or a big meal or a tree or Black Friday lines. You came to make all things new because the world, the weary world, needed something to rejoice over. So we just invite you today to come. Holy Spirit, convict our hearts, compel our hearts, galvanize our hearts, maybe where we're failing or where we're needing a touch to keep going on. Meet us today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your mighty and beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, people. I'm gonna take this wretched thing off and go and sin less.